Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. One of the challenges of traveling is managing your money. If you're tired of getting crushed by bank fees and exchange rates, you need to check out wise.com. I have been a customer for over 10 years. This is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. It's been essential for me first as a traveler, then later as a digital nomad and an expat living abroad, running a business from around the world. You get one account, which allows you to send, spend, and convert money internationally, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. You can join 16 million customers, learn how the Wise account can work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to Wise for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. I kind of did worry about going out there solo and feeling the need to have to get people to come with me. And in the end, the need to travel, the need to go and experience these things, the need to do it and just do it, it it just totally outweighed the need to have somebody with me to do it with. That was a short clip from my interview today with Manjinder Kang. And he's a listener of this show. He wrote me an email and this guy has solo traveled for nearly two decades. Every single trip he's taken except for two family trips to India and a study trip to the University of Chicago. Besides that, all of his trips have been solo trips. And one thing he mentioned during the interview is that he's also a bit of an introverted person. And I thought, okay, well, this will be interesting. A guy who basically has exclusively solo traveled his whole life and is a bit of an introvert. How does that work? How's that experience for him? And he also works a job, a full-time job. And he's been able to maximize his travels despite working a full-time job. And it's a job he enjoys, and that's the way he's been traveling. So a lot to unpack today and a lot of great takeaways in this interview. You're going to hear some real talk around the struggle of loneliness out there on the road when you're solo traveling, the opportunity, some of the opportunities in solo travel, how travel allows you to see global issues in a new light, the power of letting go of control. Of course, maximizing your travel with a traditional job. Manny's been to 37 countries now, and he shares some advice on how to do that. We talk destinations, and we talk about keeping the spontaneity on a shorter trip. You know, when you have a full-time job, you can't go traveling for months on end, generally speaking. So how do you build in opportunities for spontaneity? And so much more. I know you're going to love eavesdropping on this conversation. I had a blast. Also going to give a shout out to somebody in the community who just reached out with an incredible story. I got to give them some props. And what Tony Hawk? Yes, the the pro skateboarder, Tony Hawk, the all-time greatest skateboarder who ever lived, reminded me about today, an important lesson he, he reminded me of. <laughs> so you're going to get all that and much more in today's episode. It's happening now, right now. So buckle up, strap in. Thanks for being here. And... Welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. 
Hey, what's up? It's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. Talking about one of my favorite things today, solo travel. Now, if you are somebody who has done it before, you might already know about the joys of solo travel, but This isn't just a reminder, this episode. You're going to get some solid takeaways and new perspectives on solo travel. Also traveling in general, of course. We talk about destinations, other travel-related topics, as we normally do on this podcast. And traveling with a full-time job, which is something that a lot of people need to do. You know, you have to pay your bills or not everybody wants to quit their job and travel. I totally get that. Some people love their job. They don't want to leave it, but they still love travel too. They want to squeeze it in. So we share some advice around how best to do that. And if you have never solo traveled before, get ready because by the end of this episode, you might be planning your next trip alone. (laughs) Your first trip alone, maybe that's the case. If you haven't done it in a while, this will be a good reminder for you. It certainly was for me. I haven't been, well, I haven't been traveling at all, but even the last couple trips I've taken have been with family. So it's been a while since I've solo traveled. So this was a good reminder for for me that pumped me up, got me excited about it again. So we got all of that in the interview segment of this show. And you have to stick around for the back end. I'm going to talk about this Tony Hawk thing. I watched this half pipe video today on YouTube with Tony Hawk with my kids. And man, a lot of important lessons in there, a lot of reminders, just a six-minute skateboarding video, but it gave me a good punch in the gut to just a good reminder of, uh, of how, how things need to be in order to have, well, this might sound dramatic, but maybe in order to have a life worth living. <laughs> really, it's that big. So I'll share that with you on the back end of this interview and also a shout out to somebody in the community. A big congratulations is in order. Okay, now let's slip and slide into the interview segment of today's show. And I will see you on the other side. I got an email, I guess a couple weeks ago now, from my guest today who was... Uh, espousing the joys of solo travel, which we're going to talk about today and and so much more. I don't want to give a long introduction because I just want to have a conversation with you. So uh, Manjinder Kang, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. Great. It's great to be here, Jason. Seriously. I mean, I, I absolutely love the podcast. I discovered it during um, lockdown in 2020, um, looking for inspiration to keep like the travel dream alive. And it's really great to be here. I mean, you've had some awesome guests on the show, you know, from authors to entrepreneurs and, you know, activists. So it's pretty cool to be, you know, talking to you and sharing my story on solo travel. Oh, it's great, man. And uh, I know you said I can just call you Manny. That's what your, uh, I guess your friends call you or that's your yeah. name for sure. You said, you told me in the email, Manny is Spanish for peanut yeah, or the uh, Norse god of the moon. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Um, I, I learned about it being um, being a Spanish for peanut when I was obviously on my travels um, most recently, a couple of people, and they actually still WhatsApp me now saying that, you know what, um, they say, hi, Manny, and then they'll put in brackets peanut. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I was glad you reached out and you kind of you kind of threw it out there to to just you know come on the show and share some of your experiences around uh, solo traveling for nearly two decades. You said pretty much every trip you've taken, except for a couple family trips to India and a study trip, have been solo. And I wanted to hear how how that started and everything like that. I just kind of wanted to remind people listening, hey, it's always nice when you reach out because like you, I think you, you're like, hey, I think I have some value to provide the community to the community here, the listening community. This is a community-powered show. So just uh, you know, open invitation to get in touch. And that's how you end up in conversations like this. Yeah, thanks so much. So yeah, where did you grow up? So I'm born and bred in the UK. Um, my mother is from India. My father is first generation Indian. So he was born in the UK, but his parents, um, there was a big, obviously, call from um, the UK government to get people from the Commonwealth um, countries, which are part of the former British Empire, to help rebuild Britain after the Second World War. So his parents came over as part of a lot of individuals from nations um, around the world that are part of the empire um, to help you know, they, they came looking for work and then and then the rest is kind of history. So, yeah, that's me here, born and bred in the UK. Yeah, I mean, what I mean, that that could mean a lot of things, right? I, I don't know because I haven't gotten to travel around the UK too much. Is it like, you know, small village, city, big, you know, where? Yeah, sure. I'm really sorry about that, Jason. Yeah, um, I'm I'm in Birmingham, which is the second biggest um, city in in the UK. Um, so that's kind of it's uh, 120 miles, so about 180 kilometers north of London, and about 120 kilometers or 90 miles south of Manchester. All right. So in the you, middle, did you do a lot of traveling growing up, or was that a, a thing you discovered later on? No, um, I mean, um, our family weren't particularly well off. We didn't have, you know, that the, the money to be able to go traveling um, very often at all. We had one trip where we all went together in 1991 um, to India, and it was it was pretty spectacular. We were out there for for quite a while, and um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I don't know if my family are actually really uh, are going to listen to this, but I think it will shock them. I really thoroughly enjoyed my time out there. Looking back on it, I look back on it so fondly. Um, you know, the mountains, the temples, the food, um, meeting my, my grandparents. I had a really great relationship with my grandfather. Um, he used to like, um, let me do things that you probably shouldn't really let a child of eight years old do. Like, like hang off the back of a rickshaw while we're, cause in India, the first rule of India is, um, there's always room. So you've seen the, the videos and probably the photos of very packed, um, rickshaws and tuk-tuks where they've got so many people on there. Well, I, me and him were hanging off the back of one a few times when we were heading into into town or out the village. So, yeah, um, but I mean, I'm, I feel, feel like I'm quite different from um, my family as well, because I genuinely definitely have that wanderlust gene, if that's what you call it. When I think about it and it rises out the past, it's not one thing that really drew, draws me to travel. When I was younger, it's so many different things. I mean, it's like pouring over maps when I was younger writing articles and, and projects about countries around the world just because I was generally interested in them. Um, but like I said, I know that's a long-winded sort of answer to your question. Didn't really travel at all. That must have been pretty powerful, though. Yeah, there's a family trip, right? Uh, going to another country is, in and of itself would be a big deal. But in, in this way, too, you're also connecting with your your roots and your your you know, where you come from and in terms of like your, your family, you mentioned your father being like first generation immigrant and all that. Yeah. So that kind of adds another level of connection 
obviously to a place having family there and everything like that. So I just want to talk a little bit more about that experience because I imagine, as you said, being eight years old, that must have been pretty mind blowing to see like a completely different way of life. I mean, it's one thing to kind of be exposed to things like that through like stories and stuff like that. It's another when you like land in a place and you're like, oh, you know, meet your extended family and the smells of the food and like all the people and and everything. It's it's powerful. Yeah, it very much is. And in, in, in Indian families, it genuinely is really quite, I mean, because extended family is extended family in Indians, in, in Indian families, right? It's like, and you're having, you know, you really have to try and remember all these people, who they are and how you're related to them. Um, but it was, it was a massive culture shock as well, because this was the 90s and India was really kicked on a long way in how much it's developed and modernized and you know the, the burgeoning middle class that they have there um where our family are actually farmers so they work in in the Punjab um and they have large farms that grow wheat and rice and corn uh, and sugarcane and all that kind of stuff so it was a huge culture shock for an individual who come from a very modern country you know to to actually be told by your uncle when I needed to go to the toilet that the toilet was all around you, you had to go in the field and all that kind of stuff. So it was just really quite, um, it was interesting. It was like, how do you cope with all this sensory information where it is just complete change from what you're used to? Um, And I guess you kind of learn so much about yourself and you you don't know at the time that you are. Can you survive in this kind of environment? How do you adapt to it? And and kids, as you will know, because I know you've got two young kids, are really adaptable and they just kind of get in with it. You, we don't have the elaborate toys that we had have in the UK, but as an eight-year-old, we kind of adapted with things like stick, sticks and tag and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it was cool to really meet a lot of the younger kids that were in the village as well and get to know them and play the, play with them and make friends. Um, and obviously the chaos of the towns when you got out into the towns, I mean, they're no less chaotic now, but they were just completely and utterly bonkers, you know, like, you know, cars coming at you from everywhere and motorcycles and, and mopeds just like, you know, just like missiles just coming down the road in all different directions. Um, yeah, proper sensory overload. And then you get the, um, I mean, even some of the temples can be very crowded um for a little person to kind of navigate and again there's all these protocols and these procedures which are not used to in the uk because it is a bit different um even when you go to the temple to kind of interact with stuff and then you're kind of getting used to well these temples are so much bigger than the ones that we have in the uk and they have temples in the mountains how cool is that and the steps are like double the size so you're, you're on your hands and knees scrambling up them and all these adults now keep up, keep up. Like, well, I'm trying, but these look at these stairs. They're like they're absolutely massive, and yeah, it was um, it was just a bonkers and amazing trip. Yeah, I mean, come, how long were you there for? Oh, five weeks. Okay, that's a pretty good amount of time. Yeah, enough time to un- have a good understanding of life there. So coming back and then just going to school and kind of being back in sort of the regular society was. I mean, I imagine on some level this stuck with you in a way, um, just thinking about your wanderlust gene. Um, uh, uh, like, do you think you would be wandering so much or traveling so much if you hadn't had that early travel experience? I actually think it was part of that. And it was the part that I didn't travel again until 2002. I didn't get on a plane or go overseas until 2002. So that was, that's quite a long, that was 11 years. Um, and I was, I was a grown up then, 
Um, I was 19 years old and I took my first solo trip. Um, still pretty I, young now. Yeah, yeah, still pretty yeah. young. And it was like, and it was, I mean, I, I admire individuals that took take really big trips at that age and they go backpacking for several months or a year. And, and I just really admire them and would have wished to be able to do that. But then how many lives can we have as many as we like while we're still time? There's still time to do that kind of thing. It was a long time. And I think it just built up that I just, I wanted to be out there and I was almost just storing and researching information about all these great places and amazing things that I would be able to do. Um, it was the deep breath before the plunge. And I, I, I did for a while, like a lot of solo travellers who will probably connect with this, I, I kind of did worry about going out there solo and feeling the need to have to get people to come with me. And in the end, the need to travel, the need to go and experience these things, the need to do it and just do it. It it just totally outweighed the need to have somebody with me to do it with. I just didn't need that anymore. But it wasn't plain sailing, Jason, for sure. At the beginning. Well, that's such a that's a huge point because uh, I think that's such an important thing for anybody listening who, I mean, maybe hasn't traveled solo before or has thought about it. I mean, that was one of the realizations I had kind of uh, right before I took my first solo trip, which was my first proper backpacking trip. And it was just like this idea of, well, I was supposed to go with a friend and then I ended up getting this travel job, whatever. That's another story. I was just like, you know, if I just wait for somebody to go with, I might never do this. So in that way, it's so empowering because when you get into solo traveling or you just accept like it's a thing that you can do and you start to go do it, it, it's just the world's so open because you don't feel like you have to wait on anybody right for sure um i mean i think you had a guest on um, a f- um in your archives of your podcast who talked about his kind of need for solo adventure and he said that he uh, he constantly oscillates between the need for solitude and the need to be around people and are really kind of connected and related to that kind of statement you're right um and you say all the time on your podcast at the end if not, if not now when i think that was my when moment <laughs> that it was literally like um, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, it's only a week and it's an amazing place I'm going to. I went to Italy, by the way, for my first solo trip. There's so much to see and do and to experience. So it's just, it's just going to be okay. And like I said, I kind of teased, spoiler alert, it wasn't plain sailing in the beginning. I did struggle with the loneliness at the beginning. Um, and even when my, my second time I went tra- traveling solo was actually a lot um, sooner after that it, I went to Denmark and Sweden for again for a week in the deep mid winter it was minus 12 in Copenhagen and it was like minus 20 in Stockholm so I, I kind of I took tra- but then again I did marvel at the trains how they were still able to move in all that snow and ice that would never happen over here um, but yeah um, and I still struggled with the loneliness there as well it was only th- until third time lucky, my third trip in 2003, where I just, everything clicked into place and it was just extraordinary and it was amazing. In some ways, isn't struggling with loneliness part of the experience that you want to have in some ways? Like, not that it's easy or that it, you know, it's something to be excited about, but I mean, and anything, anything that's worthwhile brings struggles with it at some point, right? I mean, if you travel long-term, you know, as a couple or with a friend or whatever, you're, you'll have different maybe kinds of struggles, right? But I think the uncertainty of traveling on your own where you don't have 
that other sort of security blanket, I guess, of a person or somebody that can take the duties for you if you're just exhausted and tired of figuring out, you know, oh, how do I get the bus here and what do I do next? And, you know, you have to, all the decisions are on you, right? Would you have even gotten to the bliss of the third trip if you didn't go through those first couple trips in the first place? Um, it goes back to what I said earlier, is the, the need to travel, the desire, the yeah. want, the drive. Just, You're just like, I'm going to power through this no matter what. Yeah. And then um, only in one of my most recent trips did somebody, another solo traveler, say to me, You're traveling solo, you're never really solo. And it's kind of true. I, you do end up meeting people. And when I went to um, Germany in the Czech Republic, like I said, everything just clicked. I met amazing individuals there at summer. Um, um, I'm really a bit of a history nerd and I love history and cult culture. Um, so there's just so much in that region of the world to, to kind of just immerse yourself in. I didn't even notice that there was nobody else there with me. And I think I flipped the mentality around it too. I kind of started saying to myself, well, this is this is my joy and this is my pleasure. This is all the stuff that I'm getting to experience and I don't have to share it with anybody. These these are my stories that I'm kind right, of... Right, instead of yeah. saying like, I don't get to share this with anybody, you're like, I don't have to share this with anybody, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> and I've kind of stuck with that mantra ever since. I've, I'm just so lucky to be able to be in that place, in that moment, in that time, experiencing that and and being able to kind of have that story to, to look back on. I think there's a there's a quote from Musashi Miyamoto, who was a, a philosopher and also a ronin in Japan. He said that um, everything, um, you know, beginning is difficult but in the end everything is all it's always difficult to start you've got to kind of just make that approach and just kind of commit to it that and you know you will see the sunrise at the other end of it this episode is brought to you by u.s bank recently i went out for tacos and it wasn't even friday yes we have taco friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the US Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go to learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big! With the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card, visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on earth we're excited to partner with nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off the beaten path destinations to visit and there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 nissan 
Pathfinder. With seven drive modes, the Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why we're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Speaking of reframing, one of the things you wrote in your email, and I really liked this, was, and I'm quoting you here, you said, I don't think of the loneliness of traveling solo, though I have experienced it. That's why I always refer to it as traveling solo rather than traveling alone. Solo feels more like a choice. Alone feels more forced on you. Yeah. Yeah. I got that. Um, I, I kind of tuned into that mentality when I was listening to um. Do you know Desert Island Discs? No. No. Okay, Desert Island Discs is a very long-running show. For, um, British people definitely know it um, on BBC Radio 4 where they get um, celebrities onto the show to talk about if they were stranded on a desert island, what would be the records that they would take with them? And I think they're allowed a luxury icon, icon as well or item or something as well. And um, this the one I'm um, particularly kind of referencing is Tom Hanks. He did um yeah they do some they really have some heavy hitters on there Jason um, wow. oh yeah Tom Hanks who when he was a child he really struggled with the loneliness and he talks quite openly about it on that episode I think you might be able to access it in the archives if you are interested um, even if you're abroad you might be able to use like a VPN to kind of you know be able to find it but um he talks about understanding the difference between the two and saying that solitude should actively be sourced and you know encourage you should be looking for it and loneliness you need to be finding the remedies and putting those in place to combat against that because people do experience it right you can be lonely in a crowded room surrounded by so many individuals right it's it's, it's such a absolutely it's such a strange sort of emotion to kind of feel but um solitude i think a lot of people need to understand the difference between the two first but and then they kind of need to understand how it can enrich their lives because it gives you that perspective to be able to process things i often oftentimes say that solitude gives me the benefit of being able to work out my problems subconsciously um so yeah and i always like i said I always talk about it traveling solo because i've made that choice to do that um, and I've made that choice to, I, even on those trips within a trip, I make that choice to actually be away from places where there, there are a lot of people, to be out in, in nature, to be out hiking or in the woods or in the mountains. God, I miss mountains at the moment. I really do. Um, because, um, yeah, um, then you can really start to feel and see things start to click into place about stuff. You know, when we're using these words uh, like alone or loneliness or solitude, you know, these, this is, it's not just semantics, obviously there's a, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, part of the beauty of solo travel is that you have to sometimes sit with that loneliness or that aloneness in, in maybe a different way than you do at home. Like you said, you, you can be lonely in a crowded room. And I think we've all experienced that. Right. But, you know, being in a foreign country where, you know, nobody, maybe you don't speak the language and you have no idea maybe what's going on around you or, you know, no prospects of uh, maybe meeting anybody that day. At least you, you don't think, of course, the days can take crazy directions, as we know. It's, it's a different kind of loneliness, I think. And in, in this day and age, 
if you feel loneliness coming up or aloneness, you could just grab your phone and like distract yourself or do something. I suppose you can do that when you're out on the road, but I, I, I don't know. I never really did that. So uh, I, I think the opportunity of solo travel is that you get to sit with yourself and have that solitude, like some of the stuff you said, but also you get to sit with things in a way that's maybe uncomfortable too. have those experiences. Those experiences can mean a lot moving forward in life, I think. Yeah, very much so, Jason. And I think you can, it helps you process you when you are traveling and and if you're traveling in a very different way to out of package holidays and all that kind of stuff which I, I'm, I'm not obviously bagging because you know you can get some value if you just want to recoup and rest and that kind of thing but if you you've traveled and you've you've experienced um and you've come face to face with with challenges and problems that you thought you had a black and white perspective handle on and then you face those kind of sort of problems from a different person's perspective you then get the solitude to be able to unpack that and process it and understand more deeply the issues and the challenges that actually face us as you know society as a species as as a planet that kind of thing um i think i'm I'm kind of leaning on to like a a point in terms of i experienced that when i was on a hiking trip trip in guatemala that obviously the deforestation debate is a very big issue but and when you kind of face with a family with two kids and he needs land to be able to grow food so he can feed his children and that's why he's cut down trees then you've got a different layer to that that issue and your black and white understanding of what that means isn't necessarily what it's all about and it's very challenging to kind of from our perspective where we're not we're on the outside looking in on it to be able to kind of really say, well, he's got a real challenge here. He's not actually being irresponsible. He's not completely logging the whole, you know, you know, swathes and swathes of trees. He just wants enough land so he can feed his kids. Yeah. And of course, you don't have to have kids either to know that if you're staring at your hungry child, you want to feed them and you'll find a way. What is the number one lesson you would say that solo traveling has taught you or one of the top lessons? If you had to encapsulate that, it, it could be through an experience that you share right now or or just a philosophy or anything, really. You are truly more resilient than you think you are. And you, you, you will not feel more lonely than in a place where no individual speaks the language you speak and you don't speak the language that they speak. I mean, you're going to be you're going to feel thoroughly alone. Um, funnily enough, I mean, I, I taught myself a tiny bit of Chinese when I went, well, or should I say Mandarin when I went to China um, back in 2016. But um, I really didn't feel lonely, even though I could hardly speak any of the words that they or understand what they were saying to me. I just because, it, again, it was just an immense and totally different cultural experience. And that puts you, I think that experience taught me about, you know, regimes are not a people. So governments, you may not agree with what they do, but and if you have an honest conversation or you get to know individuals from that particular country, you can't really just tarnish them with the same brush to understand yeah. their lives, That if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, isn't that, this is the, the power of travel. The surface level idea could be like, well, you know, you're going to travel and then you'll feel more connected to the world. And that's like the spirit of it. How you get more connected with the world is by having those one-on-one conversations and those realizations like that you just described. And once you have those types of experiences, I mean, they, they stay with you, right? Whether it's consciously or subconsciously. Yeah, I love the idea of resilience. 
I don't know if it makes you resourceful or reminds you that you're resourceful, right? Uh, this goes back to kind of what we were talking about before, like kids being super adaptable. We are just kind of grown kids, right? Did we ever stop being super adaptable as far as like humans? Or are we just, was it just the idea of us not being adaptable in some ways or like, I wonder about that, I guess. <laughs> I totally get where you're coming from on that. I really do. Did it, it, is it kind of sort of like planed out of us and kind of... Yeah, like self and Right, exactly. It's beaten out of us by society, right? <laughs> do we end up becoming um, farmed salmon when actually we need to be back in the wild? Oh, God, I... Oh, yeah, this is a deep, esoterical conversation that we could have. And I say that... I say this to a lot of people who, who, who you know, give me the time and actually listen to me for a couple of moments. And so I don't think we were created for the lives that we kind of exist in. A lot of us, I think we were obviously created for for something more in the sense of being quite adventurous and seeing how we can adapt to change. I mean, if anything, these current times have really taught us that, you know, it's great having plans and agendas, but uh, to quote Mike Tyson, um, plans are great, but until you get punched in the face, right? And if anything, this was the biggest punch in the face that any of us could have taken, being hit with, you know, obviously what's going on at the moment. This is not in a design of humankind. I think uh, when you you relinquish a bit of control, you actually gain more of it, if that makes any sense, which is totally sort of counterintuitive. But I think you see a lot of people in this situation, these circumstances, trying to control what they inevitably can't. Um, and that, that I think if we just kind of let things kind of run their course, we can kind of take the lessons out of it and, and learn and grow and adapt and find out how we can make new make a new out of something that may not be as we would have intended or hoped. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just really kind of spiraled out of solo travel into becoming quite a deep discussion, which is really quite heartening in that respect you can come to a lot of these realizations in, in many ways, right? Like I, I'd never be the one to say, uh, okay, well like, you know, you're not a fully formed human being unless you travel solo. <laughs> I mean, there's, there are a lot of ways to have insights and realizations as a human. Um, but I think for travelers, cause we're speaking to travelers and people that either want to travel or, or have been traveling for those of you that have been out on solo trips, I'm sure you've had good experiences and bads for those of you that haven't, maybe this is a, uh, pushing you over the edge to to try it out i I guess i'd wonder what is your biggest piece of advice for around solo travel for for people listening um i think if you're going to take the plunge into solo travel and it is a growing industry as well um jason i think i read in 2019 um 20% of of recreational journeys were being taken by solo travel so it is growing quite exponentially um i think it would be um if you want to dip your toe start small um and maybe a, a long weekend away by yourself in, in a country or a culture that you are familiar with um so if you're europe based try something in europe by yourself for a long weekend or if you're you're, you're conscious about the struggles with language then travel somewhere that has a the same language as you or has you know a good command of that i mean for for someone who speaks english that doesn't just open english speaking countries you would take you would talk about scandinavia where the you know the ability to communicate in english is very strong um and some of the um some of the more northern european countries as well where the ability to speak english is very strong as well um and see how you go um you know the first step is like always the most difficult <laughs> 
Well, let's talk about how you've been doing this because it sounds like you've been kind of working a traditional job and finding time to travel in between. That was another reason why I thought it'd be great to chat with you because, you know, obviously a lot of people in that situation, right? Not everybody's going to take a gap year. Not everybody can spend or wants to spend months traveling or maybe they can't right now and something they're going to do one day. But in the meantime, you've traveled to 37 countries you've been, sounds like working full-time. I, I guess, yeah, paint the picture for us so we can understand kind of how these trips have been looking for you. I know you guys get a lot more holiday than people in the States. Are you taking chunks of time off? How are you? Yeah. What do you do? I mean, how does this all kind of work together for you? Sure. Um, I think with, um, with obviously working a standard job, um, uh, in the UK, we get on average about 25 days at movable annual leave in a year. Um, which you can take any time. So um, uh, that comes in with negotiating with your line manager if you have a great you know, relationship with them. Can I take three weeks off instead of two? The standard tends to be two trips and making sure that you can make the most of when your flight is going out and when your flight is coming back. So leaving on a Saturday morning or a Friday night and then coming back on the Sunday before you're due to start work again. I'm really fortunate. I don't really struggle with the jet lag, so I can go quite far and then come back and I can do the work the next day and, and be productive for, for eight hours. I, I kind of build my own trips because I don't I don't do anything like a bucket list dive or anything like that. I look at each individual country and I think about the kinds of things that are going on there and what I can experience. And I build my trips around that. And then that's a way of actually doing and growing and learning and imparting on these experiences, um, which I genuinely kind of connect with because they're, they're kind of within my interests um planning is like crap to me i really really like planning a trip um i get all the you know the blogs the books and read about them i get the inspiration from so many different places like music podcasts of course um books um tv shows you know filming locations movies and all that kind of thing so the standard place that you get that and then once that kind of seed sort of plants you really want to start to learn, let, let it grow and stuff. Um, and I, my trips, like I said, I build them and I write them myself through my research. So I'm not pulling them out of packages and things. I'm kind of focusing on what I want to do in a place and how I want to connect to it. Um, and I write them down. I'd actually have them on, on like a spreadsheet. Wait, wait, um, wait. I, I think this is a good question. I'm sorry to interrupt, but something just struck me that you said. You said this intention of, all right, well, like, how do I want to connect with this place, right? I think that's a really wonderful lens to do trip planning through, right? What a great question to kind of just ask yourself, how do I want to connect with this place? Through that question, you could land in maybe some different spots than you would have originally thought. I mean, is that, I don't know, is that a, is that a main focus for you when you're planning these trips? And what does that mean? Like, just describe that a little bit. I'd like to hear like an example, maybe. Yeah, very much so. So, um, for example, uh, travel to Thailand. You could have done the bog standard traveling experience in Thailand and spent a lot of time on beaches. I mean, I'm kind of done with the beach after half a day. I love them and I love being by the sea and all that kind of stuff, but it's not really sort of my main kind of aim. I like to be varying the kind of experiences I had. But one of the things I re one of the ways I really wanted to connect with Thailand was through its food. Um, so obviously I use that as an, you know, I use that as like a, a catalyst to kind of build some of my experiences there with some cooking classes. But I also wanted to be able to learn how to cook for alternative diets. So I did a specific vegetarian and vegan cooking class as well. So I could, you know, I could share that with other individuals. Um, so that's one way. And there's other things that are um, like, you know, sort of um, 
like hiking trips to be able to actually in, in, sort of encounter nature and the wilderness. Um, but to bring you deeper within to the landscape, that takes you to places that were, weren't really on your radar. So I'll go back to Guatemala again. I kind of did a three-day hike there through the back country of Guatemala. Um, and it, it helped me to complete an, a leg of my itinerary without using any kind of you know, vehicle or transport. I, we did it on foot. But I was encountering villages uh, and experiences and local people that I wouldn't have if I was just bussing through. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's just a great question to ask yourself. How do I want to connect with this place? Is it can maybe make you look at your plan trip planning a little bit differently? And, and I know that can be at the core of a lot of trip planning, but I think there's a little bit of a different intention behind that. That's a little more. I don't know. It's it's nice. It feels good to me. And the other thing on that, Jason, is that you kind of um you're building a trip that's bespoke to you. It's your trip. It's your experiences. And because it's your time at the end of the day, we, I mean, no amount of money ever bought a second of time. So, so use it to, to kind of fuel what your passions and your desires are. Yeah. Well, I, I have a couple questions because you sound like you, you said the trip planning, to use your exact quote, something like it's like crack to me. But uh, how do you leave room for flexibility? If, are you one of the, uh, if you're the type that like really likes to plan a lot, I don't know if you are that or you just enjoy sort of the overall planning without actually dialing in the logistics. But uh, how do you leave room for spontaneity? Yeah. Um, so very, uh, I would, um, for example, I build my trips so that um, I actually do have that time. There. I'm not building like I'm going to visit this museum. I'm going to visit this kind of, um, I'm going to specifically do this. I'm going to be in a specific town or city because I've, I've liked the things that I'm reading and I'm seeing, I like the vibe that I'm getting from there and I'm going to kind of start to experience that place. So I, I, I understand that that's the place I want to be. And the spontaneity comes well from talking to local people while I'm out there. What, what are the great restaurants to check? Um, what's off the beaten path? Um, where's somewhere that a traveler wouldn't normally go if they were coming here near on a flying by visit? What else were, is worth great looking? power questions there. Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of talk to the people in like the hostels. I talk to people in the local cafes uh, or in the or in the tea shops and that kind of thing I, and, and get them to kind of inform what I'm going to do in a place a bit more. There'll be a bit of like wanting to do the must, must do things in that place. But I, I, I built I don't literally write in my plans that I'm, I'm definitely going to be doing this one thing unless it's something I absolutely have gravitated towards because it's part of the experience and the way I want to connect with the place. Yeah. So I sense that, you know, through solo traveling, just through your experiences, you, you seem like a, a bit of a free spirit, but then also you come back to this structured nine to five job type of situation. How do you do that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> How do you that, manage that? Yeah, That's why I really ultimately admire people like you, Jason, the entrepreneurs, because I think you have a higher level of risk aversion than I do. Uh, um, I don't know. Well, don't, don't get carried away here. I, I, it's, it's, it's all pretty uncomfortable, I must say. But. Yeah, and I, I think get comfortable with we being uncomfortable should yeah. be like the tagline for, for life at the moment. Solo travel will do that, right? Very much so. And I think you kind of, you did sort of hit on something which is a bit of part of my personality. I'm a free spirit because I will do some real wild and wacky things while I'm, I'm out on my travels. I, w- I, I have bungee jumped. I have done the whole whitewater rafting down the highest commercially rafted waterfall in the world in New Zealand. And that's like, yeah, that was a seven meter drop. In, the whole raft vanished. Yeah. Oh, I mean, because I've seen the pictures afterwards, Jason, the whole raft has just gone straight that's into the plunge crazy. pool. You can't see it. Yeah. That's water crazy. everywhere. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, so I do. I've done canyoning, and I would. I, I do all those things again. Um, canyoning, and um, that was like down a forty meter high waterfall. That was the big. We did seven different waterfalls, and that was the highest. And that was like, how do you negotiate that? So, yeah. To come back to your question, um, I don't know. There's always. It is a bit like a drug, right? Isn't it? Traveling, it is very addictive, and I think. Uh, this is going to sound so cliche because I've seen it written in so many places. You kind of almost are looking for not bettering anything because I don't believe you can. An experience is, is unique. It is its own. That's It exists at time. And I'm not looking to better stuff. I want to do things that I'm still interested in and I've got a drive and a passion for. Um, and that's how I think I kind of cope with having to to keep it within being able to do it and wanting to do it and having that drive to do it. And wanting more, I'm wanting to do more, but having to actually realize that, you know, with the pleasure comes a bit of the, you know, the actual, I think, you you know, you live in a world, you live in a life, you know, you exist in um, your, the, the world that your questions create. And a yes is nothing without a no that gives your yes, the boundaries and the functions and the form. Yeah. So I guess there's a, there's a bit of strategic speaking there. I yeah, tell you well, what, it's the, yeah. the yin and the yang. Yeah, very what much goes so. up, must come down, whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly the balance. I don't want anybody to misinterpret, especially you, that uh, that I, I think that there's a problem with that at all. Like it's, it's you know, you got to make a living. And if you're able to find a way to, you know, work a full-time job, it's something you enjoy, and then you can still do your traveling and, you know, that's enough traveling for you to like fill your travel. So I mean, I know maybe it can never be enough, but you know, if you spend 12 months on the road, it's like, it's not like you're not going to have off days or maybe like start craving the other life, you know, maybe more the stability. So everybody has got to find their own balance, you know, when it comes to that. And I think Jason, um, work and life is becoming more flexible now as well. Um, it has, I mean, this has, the times that we are in now have unlocked amazing opportunities and businesses are realizing that actually, you know, complete, competing, completing work remotely and being able to kind of work more flexibly and which is actually growing a hell of a lot of traction in the UK. I know it's a big thing in the Scandinavian countries and I look, I look towards them in kind of their inspiration, the way they deal with that kind of stuff. Um, but understanding that there is a hell of a lot of room to be flexible and things like that. And a lot of organizations, I think I would say to your listeners out there, you know, maybe experiencing and wanting to enjoy travel more is explore those opportunities with your, with your organization. Do they have, you know, long term unpaid leave, like sabbatical or that kind of stuff? Check it out. Have a conversation. Be brave enough to have the conversation and then, you know, give, give your dreams some life. Yeah, I think that's great. Uh, the bravery in terms of the conversation, if, if you're looking for another takeaway, and there are, I think there are a lot in this conversation, so thank you for that. But you know, if you're in a full-time job situation, have, having, like you said, the bravery just to ask, and also being willing to take unpaid, you know, a lot of these companies, they might only give you, you know, five or 10 days off a year or whatever, but that doesn't mean you can't get unpaid time away. And you might be thinking, well, you know, I want to get paid. Well, it's like, I don't know, sometimes you got you to make a call right? Do the things that you want to do. You got to look at the big picture. An important thing too is just you have to be honest with yourself, right? Like, is this the way you want you want to live? Is this is this cool with you? Like, if it's not, like, what can you do to change it or, or do more traveling or, or maybe do less traveling and have more stability depending on where you're at? It's a constantly evolving thing, right? 
Yeah. And um, I mean, solo travel helps you find and gives you perspective on those kind of things. It really does help you to kind of unlock some of the you can come away with more questions. But I think those questions help you to form your environment a little bit more, because if you're you're questioning, you're asking those questions more. I think you have you end up having a better understanding of what the deeper issues are with things and what you want to understand more about. Mm. The questions you are asking yourself are very important, to say the least. The inner dialogue and what types of questions uh, you're using to inform your reality in, in some ways. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press. But I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago. And immediately, I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks so they also make an exceptional gift, thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people, on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me. Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. One of the things you mentioned is that you've tra- you have used travel to achieve a lot of different things. You, you said you've run marathons in four different countries. You've gotten involved in courses. You mentioned the cooking course and things like that in Thailand. Uh, I just wanted you to speak a little bit on... Uh, using travel for, I, I don't know if you'd call that self-development or just uh, this pursuit of learning or yeah, just talk about your thoughts around that. Yeah, um, I think um, I think first and foremost, um, using it as a vehicle to experience places in a different way, using it as a vehicle to kind of just align your passions with you know, other passions so that you're almost getting a double hit. Although I would argue that I'm not really passionate about running. It's a means to an end because it is very uncomfortable. And when you, um, when you, yeah, I only really run so I can eat because, you know, I, I, I tend to be quite a hungry individual. Those who, who know me know I, I, I love my food, but um, yeah, um, that self-development is really, really important because I think I, as a solo traveler, you do kind of, you, it's happening and it's baked in when you're traveling solo anyway, that self-development. But you get to understand those perspectives about a culture and you get a deeper connection with them. And then you get to take something away, which you can then share with individuals when you get back home and bring her back with you a piece of that culture for them to experience. Because not everybody is as fortunate 
as an individual, certainly not as fortunate as me to be able to have been able to experience all these things and do that kind of stuff. Or they may not have the drive to want to do that. They may, you know, travel's probably not, they don't have that wanderlust gene. It's not really something they're that interested in, but they're keen to hear, hear more about it and experience it through a different way. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you mentioned your trip being around three weeks, right? If we were going to take sort of the average, which I think is a, you can do and see a lot in three weeks, right? You can really experience a place. I wanted to hear, I wanted to just get into some destination talk as I rub my hands excitedly. You know, what are some of the better destinations that you found for solo travel? Yeah. Just fire away. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, I think, I think there's a, there's a, um, a destination that I always mention because I think it kind of slides in the radar of, of Thailand. Um, and that's Malaysia. I think Malaysia is as a destination is consistently under, under kind of sort of estimated. Um, it's a brilliant place with such a variety of experiences for individuals to co- kind of connect with. English is widely spoken there as well. Um, and because Malaysia is just amazing because it's not only got those experiences for those adventurous types out there. If you want to go hiking, you want to explore primordial jungles, which are as old as the earth, as old as time. You want to go hiking mountains. You want to, you want maybe more refined experiences. You can like, you know, through tea and tea plantations and go hiking in those places. The food's absolutely amazing because it has three key, key cultures that are at the confluence of Malaysia. You have, you know, the Malay people, you have the Indian and the Chinese, they all kind of create this melting pot of cultures, which is just so dynamic and interesting. Um, It's a really great place to go and experience. If you're feeling a little bit more adventurous, God, I don't even know if I want to share some of these because come uh, on, there's a there's a quote <laughs> that I love from Oscar Wilde, which I'm going to kind of read out. Um, I said, I'm just just um, just bear with me a second. It seems it seems to be the one thing that can make modern life mysterious or marvelous to us. The commonest thing is delightful if one only hides it. When I leave town now, I never tell people where I'm going. If I did, I would lose all my pleasure. It's a silly habit, I dare say, but somehow it seems to bring a great deal of romance into one's life. I, I absolutely love that quote. And I really do believe in it. So sometimes I'm really quite, I, I kind of love these places. Do I really want people going there? I think one or two people can kind of relate to that. Um, but anyway, the next place I'm going to say is if you but are just between a, you, just, just between you and I here, you can. <laughs> so yeah. the next place I'm really kind of going to sing praises about is Guatemala. It blew my mind. And if you really are, adventurous and it's cheap as well to go there just like malaysia is quite cheap to go there um guatemala is just such an amazing place with a depth that i think you really really need to go there and understand i mean it has thousands and thousands of years of history in terms of the mayan people it has an interesting sort of recent history with um obviously the socialist um element to it and the governments and um things like narco trafficking and all that kind of stuff so it has that interesting sort of perspective for recent history as well yeah great great coffee the most amazing coffee Um, yeah and tikal is uh, such a wonderful yeah site yeah Yeah. any star wars fans out there will know that they filmed um i think it was parts of the new hope there uh, at tikal in the in the mayan temples um you've got beautiful countryside where you can experience you know water sports um and they've got re- they've got a really really vibrant cultural town which looks like it should have been in a Bond movie in Antigua. Antigua is just amazing. You've got active volcanoes, um, so you can go and hike and view active volcanoes as they're spurting out, like I did when I was there. 
Um, and they, it really has a great and underestimated food scene as well. The food's really, really good there, um, as you would expect in Central America. I think something closer to home for our European um, sort of listeners would probably be um, Central Europe mainly, um, particularly Austria, because they have really, really vibrant cultural scene, amazing cakes and bakes. I really like my cake. Um, so it's an amazing place if you've got a sweet tooth. Musically, it's it's astounding because of how, you know, how rich the, the classical music scene is there. And obviously, I have some a lot of contemporary history in Austria as well through things like um, you know Freud uh, and and Carl Jung and, and you know that kind of angle. So it's a very culturally and sort of interesting place, as well as being just outstanding in terms of its landscapes and its beauty. Hmm. I love the uh, smorgasbord you put together there for us, really spanning the globe, right? Uh, Malaysia, Guatemala, Austria. Yeah. Three great destinations. Awesome. Thanks for that. Yeah. So uh, I, I know we're getting towards the end here, but I had a couple more questions for you. I just wanted to hear about a time where somebody helped you out on the road and, may, and maybe a story about you helping somebody. I know a lot of these things that wouldn't happen when, when you're traveling with somebody else tend to happen when uh, just different things happen when you're traveling yep. on your own. And I'd love to hear uh, one of your favorite memories. Yeah, sure. Oh, God, there's so many. Um, I think when somebody's really helped me out um, on the road, I was utterly lost in Beijing looking for the place I was going to be staying. Hadn't got a clue. I'd spoken to so many individuals um, through language translation apps, which were always not really sort of as good as they say they're going to be. I'm trying to figure out where the place I was going to be staying. And I was like, it was an hour and a half, still wandering these streets. Where the hell am I? Google Maps was wrong. It didn't seem to be on the place where it said it should be. And then a local just stopped me and, and she spoke perfect English. And that, what are the chances of that kind of things happening in deepest, darkest sort of Beijing? She said, you kind of lost. And I said, oh, I'm looking for this place. And your English is incredible and all that kind of stuff. And she simply, she was going to, she didn't know where it was, but she flagged down a taxi driver. And I think if some people have ever been to Beijing, the taxi drivers don't really know where they're going either. They're not great with their directions, but he literally said, oh, you don't have to get in the taxi. I don't have to take you. It literally is just walk straight. And then it's the first left, really, for 10 minutes, walk straight and this first left. So being just helped out of a bind in that way. Um, uh, so much kind of in terms of the kindness that I've experienced from people, from people, you know, taking me into like their homes just to kind of, you know, feed feed me with stuff. I had a great sort of story where I, I, I was on a communal dining table in in singapore eating um dinner with a couple from britain and a guy from norway um as it happens um and um he were he was um traveling out on literally the same flight back to to um to doha i was flying through doha um and he said if we happen to meet in the um in the airport um because he had access to first class lounge and all that kind of stuff then I, I'll bring you in with me because I can bring a guest. I'm a frequent flyer. Um, anyway, I didn't think anything of it because I just thought it was one of those off-the-cuff things. Um, and then I heard my name being called across, you know, the sort of the concourse in Singapore airport. And I looked around and there was Thor. So, so thank you even now if you're listening, Thor, but for taking me into the Emerald Lounge of, of Singapore Changi Airport. Man, the Norway for the win. Yeah, definitely Norway <laughs> for the win. So, I mean, that's just come from a complete stranger that I happened to meet in a communal dining restaurant 
the night before we happen yeah. to be on the same flight. Um, and have I helped? How have I helped individuals on travels? Um, I've helped, you know, many over the years um, in terms of just helping them with directions, getting to places where they need to go to, or just giving them the benefit of time to kind of his, listen to their perspective yeah. and their stories. It's um, one of the best gifts you can give. Yeah. yeah. Um, taking people out with them, uh, with me and shouting them lunch because, you know, making new friend, friends on the road. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'll get these, let's have a cup of coffee um, and, you know, get to know each other. Um, um, I had an individual who... Um, who broke their their hiking poles when we were on a hike. Um, so um, I was busting past them. I didn't know who they were. And we were hiking to the same destination anyway. So I said, look, to help you out, why don't you take my hiking poles? And then when we, I, I'll be all right with them. Why don't, when we meet up at the, um, at the base camp at the, towards the top of the mountain, you can just give me them back. So, and, and lo and behold, when she arrived, she arrived a few hours be, um, behind me. She, she said she, she was so grateful to just have, that assistance to be more sure on her feet mm-hmm. and then she handed them back to me. So, I mean, I didn't know if I was even going to see them again, but it was cool. Yeah. That's sweet, man. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, yeah, just one last thing and and we could just give a quick 30 second piece of advice, like your best piece of advice on meeting people when you're solo traveling. So those days or, or those times when you don't necessarily want to be alone, uh, and you're like, hey, I could really use some company, or at least I want to set myself up for the opportunity to have some company in the next days. What, what do you tell people? I think hostels are great for that. I think, even though I know on discussions, a lot of people talk about um, how people just go to hostels and then they just end up being on their smartphones and stuff like that. Um, I think um, talk to individuals where you're staying to find out where meetups are happening. Um, in local areas because they'll have another perspective on where people locals and travelers like to hang out and understand where those are um, and then head out there and and kind of be a bit uh, I'm an introverted person so it's quite a difficult thing for me to do anyway um, but just kind of sort of just lean into that uncomfortability for a little moment and something quite special and extraordinary can will come out of it yeah I love that well you want to let people I know you do a little bit of I I think you just started a YouTube channel and I know you write about solo travel on LinkedIn or something. I mean, I know you don't have like a lot of stuff to promote here or anything, but if you want to just share where people can find you, if anybody's interested. Uh, I I mean, the YouTube channel I started literally because I'm absolutely rubbish at talking to camera and presenting to large groups and audiences. And it was just, I'd had enough of experiencing that. I didn't want to do that anymore. I wanted to get better at it. So that's just a self-improvement thing. And if you search out Journey to Progress on YouTube, that's basically my my YouTube channel, which is in my infancy. It's got actually nothing to do with solo travel whatsoever. And on my LinkedIn profile, um, I, I kind of every fortnight I post um, I post a blog about solo traveling, which is exclusively about solo travel. I did used to have a website, but I, I pulled it down because I was only ever doing it for the joy of it to write because I love writing and I love writing about travel. Um, but I thought I'd save the, the money from hosting fees to actually go on traveling instead. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Well done. Well, it sounds like you've gotten to do your share and uh, just uh, congratulations on... I don't know, all the traveling you've gotten to do. And just, I I always admire people that are willing to like, just go out there and travel despite, you know, what may be uncomfortable. And I'm sure it sounds like in the beginning, solo traveling was a bit uncomfortable, like it is for many. Here you are still going many years later. Congratulations, man. Uh, And I just look forward to staying in touch and I appreciate uh, you've gotten, you've given us so much value today. I feel like we've got a lot of good 
perspectives to walk away with from this conversation. So I hope you had a blast. I did. I hope so. I really, really enjoyed it. And um, you know, I'm a coffee man. Uh, I was listening to your podcast uh, with Tim Wendelbow in, um, in Oslo. Oh, yeah. I've never been to Norway. I've always, when I was a kid, I was fascinated by it. So mm-hmm. I definitely want to check that place out. It's definitely on my radar. Well, you know, we'll have to take a trip over there when you come to visit. <laughs> It'll be cool. It'll be amazing. For sure. Awesome, man. Thanks for your time. Amazing. Thanks again. Yeah. Cheers for your time, Jason. Bye now. Take care. have it my chat with manny a special thanks to him for stopping by sharing his travel experience giving me a little time to reminisce about my own solo travels and hey i'd love to hear from you too what did you think of this show did this get you amped up to solo travel again if you've done it before if you haven't done it before or are you kind of like hey this is i gotta do this i gotta go for this let me know you can always get in touch jason at zero to travel.com and in the show notes There's also a link to a place where you can leave me a voice message, and that's super easy to do. I always love audio messages. You can email those to me or leave them through that link, whatever you choose, or just write me a good old-fashioned email. I think we can say old-fashioned for email now, can't we? Electronic, even though it's electronic. Electronic mail. Thank you for the electronic mail message, Tori, who (laughs) is getting the shout-out today. Subject header, domino effect, exclamation point. She said, hi, Jason. This email is long overdue. Started listening to your podcast back in 2017 and inspired my dream to travel the world after my college graduation. Well, unfortunately, I let the naysayers and societal expectations get to me and decided that it was time to put that dream to rest. As sad as it is to say, I even made myself stop listening to your podcast because it reminded me of all the things I decided I couldn't do. That sounds so sad. I'm sorry for that, but it gets better. She goes on to say, fast forward four years. She says, I have the adult nine to five office job everyone told me I needed, and I am miserable. Well, was miserable, I should say, because about three months ago, I found myself at a real low point emotionally. And as I sat at work and stared at my computer, I decided to revisit that one podcast that inspired so much hope for me back in college, Zero to Travel. I probably spent a full week binging all the content I'd missed out on. Just like that, it became so clear to me what I needed to do, what I had always wanted to do, and that was go travel. As of a couple weeks ago, my boyfriend and I, he is coming to, got out of our apartment lease. We're moving in with his parents for a year to save money, then plan on traveling for around six months. Talk about sacrifices. There you go. She goes on to say, after having made that decision, the domino effect has been insane. Having an excitement for life and reminding myself that I can do anything I want has given me so much stamina. Even if I only end up traveling for a couple months, just the process of rediscovering what it feels like to have something to look forward to has been more impactful than I would have ever thought possible. I could go on and on about all the amazing changes I've made in my life since deciding I am going to travel. But the bottom line is it's been awesome. Thanks to you and your guests for inspiring me. I'm sure you hear this all the time, but you really do feel like a friend. You've been a friend that I really needed in my my life. And oh, I started getting emotional there. Sorry. Uh, she said, P.S. I am loving premium passport. <laughs> so that's very nice. Tori, thank you so very much. Well, yes, I don't get the chance to talk to everybody one-on-one, but it's uh, I, I do feel like we're all... We all kindred spirits in some way here in this listening community, right? And Tori, uh, so much about your story is inspiring to me because, listen, uh, yes, I'm so glad the podcast played some kind of part. And, and to anybody out there that this show has helped, thank you. 
uh, for sharing that. It, it means so much. But the thing is, you still have to take the action, right? So you're the one that has to take control and make the changes. And, and you did that. You know, you're moving in with your boyfriend's parents. You're saying, hey, I'm committing to this. And I love what you said just about how much has happened since you just chose travel. And I, I always think this is a very underestimated part of, we, th- we think about the trip and all of the grand adventures we're going to have and stuff, but just the simple choice of choosing travel, which for you here, if you love travel, it, it, this, this can be different things for different people, right? But if you have dreams of travel, that's one of your big dreams, and then you choose it, it's more than just saying yes to travel. It's saying yes to your yourself, your dreams, right? You're like, hey, my dreams are important. I'm saying yes to that. That's okay. I, I, I'm saying yes to something that I want, and I'm going to throw caution into to the wind maybe, and to just go for it. And when you say yes to that, you're again, you're saying yes to so much more, I think, than just uh, one specific dream. You're, you're saying, you're giving yourself permission to chase your dreams. That's a big deal. And that's a, an important habit in and of itself. The habit of just saying, hey, this isn't just a pie in the sky dream. Maybe this is something I can actually work towards and then taking the steps to do it. And those steps aren't always easy. I'm sure it's not easy to move back in with your boyfriend's parents or to move in with your boyfriend's parents and, and do that for a year, but you're making the sacrifice for the thing that you want to do, the priority item, which is to travel. So anyway, congratulations. I just wanted to share that story because I always think that these stories from the community inspire other listeners or, or maybe just you know inspire us all, get us thinking in different ways, and that's why I love to share them. But I can't share them if you don't share them with me. So please, again, reach out, Jason at ZeroToTravel.com. I love to hear from you all. Okay, a couple more things. This Tony Hawk deal is... Yeah, this was a good reminder for me this morning. My daughter and I were looking at this New York Times book for the New York Times, 36 Hours. They have this series that they spend 36 hours in a city and they talk about the highlights and different things to do. And I I live in Norway. I was missing my home country a little bit. So I pulled this book off the shelf and I was just flipping through and uh, looking at some of the cities around the U.S., and, and the things they were recommending to do. And my daughter was there like, what's that? What's that? Asking me about the different pictures. And I'm fortunate. I've been to a lot of these places. So I, I was explaining them. But as I was explaining them, I was also almost reliving it, right? Like when we were looking at pictures of Phoenix and Scottsdale, I was feeling the warm desert air. That's another cool thing about traveling is having been there, you can you get more of your senses involved, even when you're just looking at a book. Anyway, that's a sidebar. So we saw a picture of a half pipe somewhere in there, and she wondered what it was. And I tried to explain it. I said, you know what? I'll look up something on YouTube, and then you can watch somebody skating on a half pipe. And it was Tony Hawk, because he's the best skateboarder ever. And I used to skateboard. So... I, I, I still have a long board. I guess I still skateboard, but not, not like I used to. Anyway, so we played the video. It was about six minutes. And, you know, the guy does incredible tricks. But what was cool is it wasn't just a tricks highlight video. They would show in a lot of these clips the times that he tried and failed before he nailed the trick. And it would just be him falling over and over and over again. So hard on his body, just eating it constantly and i just started telling my kids hey look this is the best skateboarder in the world Uh, maybe not right now because he's older but he's the best all time look how many times he falls 
Look how many times he has to fail before he gets the trick. And he doesn't give up. He keeps going until he gets it. And that's an incredible life lesson. Just a reminder, right? To do great things in life, you have to fail. You have to. You can't just go and and do the the 720 or the 9, whatever he did, the 900 and who knows how many times he can spin in the air right now. You have to go and fall a bunch. And that's with anything, right? So I was, this is uh, one of the joys, I guess, of parenting is you also get to, you're teaching them, but you're also really reminding yourself, right? You're just like, oh, okay, yeah, I gotta, I gotta keep this in mind. I shouldn't be so hard on myself when I fail because that's part of the process. You gotta fail. To do anything worthwhile in life, you have to fail. If you're just playing it safe all the time, in my opinion, it might not be the kind of life worth living, if you're never putting yourself out there, never subjecting yourself to some failure. It was just a great reminder seeing the best skateboarder of all time just eating it, failing, falling down. And I think that's important to really remember. It makes us be easier on ourselves, I think, too, at least for me. It's just like, hey, when you fail, when you screw something up, hey, that's part. that's just falling down. You tried to do the trick and you fell down. Get up and try again. Eventually, you're going to nail it and then keep going and, and move on to the next challenge. So anyway, some life lessons from Tony Hawk there this morning. That was super helpful. Okay, I'm going into the quote drawer right now. That's right. I have a stand-up desk with a drawer full of quotes from my Wisdom of the East calendar. And it's a little dose of inspiration each day. Let me pull something out of here and read it to you. A little random thing. Okay. Hmm. This one's from... So, these names. There should be a blooper reel of me trying to pronounce these names in each episode. Okay. Tznok Ni Rinpoche, who said... That would be a funny blooper reel. Okay. He said, uh, when you have achieved a state of calmness and readiness, then you are ready to know, ready to understand in a deep way, the dance between emptiness and appearance. There you go. Thank you once again for taking your time to hang with me. Have a wonderful day. Smile. Take a chance today. Maybe go out and fail at something and then get up and do it again. (laughs) Peace and love to you, and I will see you next time, my friend. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality. 